All right, this is part two of using copyright-friendly images and talking about Creative Commons and fair use. And so, um, the Pesha Kucha resources that I have here, before we kind of dive into some of the specific sites for getting images, um, I've, I've kind of built this over time. This, this is probably back in 2005 was the first time I taught a technology for teachers class. I taught for Wayland Baptist University in Lubbock, three different semesters. And then last fall, no, a year ago in the spring, I guess, I taught for UCO, um, and then I taught at North Texas last fall, and then I'm at UCO again. So I've, I've been using a Google site to kind of build my, my courses, and um, the Petra stuff is, is a resource under here. This class is interesting because it's required for all the pre-service teachers at UCO, and really you're asked to have six different projects. And one of those has to be SmartBoard. Um, that's just what they've, what they've required. So if you're going to have six requirements for students to learn about technology, oh, and one's got to be the unit plan. <laughs> so I really have four things to choose, uh, and then, then two of them are defined. What I did this semester was a Pecha Kucha, Google Reader, we worked with Scratch and did several projects and a final project, and we learned how to make a screencast. Those were the four things. Um, we'll talk about some of those tomorrow in the Powerful Ingredients session because, you know, it's hard. Wow, you, there's so many different tools and there's so many possibilities. What do you decide is most important? I found the Pecha Kucha good because I think all of us are going to be, you know, using presentation software to some degree, and so talking about how to use that effectively and find copyright-friendly images, this is something that can cross all content areas and grade levels and, and be relevant for everyone. I've also found it's nice to do that at the beginning of the course, especially when you ask students to teach about something they're passionate about and they really care about, because I gain a lot of insight into my students and things that they, you know, that they care about and just into them as people. So on the, the, uh, the Pecha Kucha page, I've got a couple links, and this is a New York Times article from April of 2010, We've Met the Enemy and It Is Us. This is an actual PowerPoint slide that was shared at the Pentagon to communicate our strategy in Southwest Asia. And, you know, this is not a helpful slide. I mean, maybe it's a disclosing slide to say that, wow, you know, there's a... It, it doesn't help with clarity. Uh, there's a lot of text on the slide, and so uh, that's, that's an example that I use. Another example that I use is... This video by Don McMillan, and I will give you a little, you know, warning. There, he uses the word hell in here, so just be prepared for that. But even I, I think this this does a pretty good job by showing the poor examples of talking about what we should want to see yeah, in PowerPoint. About PowerPoint. And I figure it's kind of my duty to point them out. So here we go. Here's common PowerPoint mistakes. So number one, uh, people tend to put every word they are going to say on their PowerPoint slides. Although this eliminates the need to memorize your talk, ultimately this makes your slides crowded, wordy, and boring. You will lose your audience's attention before you even reach the bottom of your uh, first slide. Please, please don't do that anymore, please. Uh, number two, most common, uh, many people do not run spell cheek. Pick a stack. Nothing makes you look stupider than spelling errors. 
It's got a red line under it. Recheck the spelling. And finally, I hate this. Uh, avoid excessive bullet pointing. Only bullet key points. Too many bullet points. And your key messages will not stand out. In fact, the term bullet point comes from people firing guns at annoying presenters. Hence the bullet point. Uh, bad color schemes, not good. Clashing background and font colors can lead to distraction, confusion, headache, nausea, vomiting, and loss of bladder control. I can't stay on that one too long. Here's something I've noticed. Uh, the number of PowerPoint slides you have in your talk, uh, the less uh, useful your talk actually is. Unfortunately, uh, my presentation is right there. Also notice this, people love to pack data in their presentation. They shove more and more data thinking it's better, but it's not. The more data you have, the harder it is to read your slide, and the effectiveness plummets. Now you can, uh, you can improve the effectiveness by adding some shading and some 3D effects, and then some second order and third order effects, and then, I don't know, let's add some labels, that will help a lot. And that, that's pretty much every marketing slide I've ever seen right there. Then something like BP marketing stay there going, it's real clear in Q4. What the hell are you talking about? Now, I'm, I'm into uh, in animation. People become animators with PowerPoint. You can have things flying all over the place, and that can be good. If you're a visual learner, that will improve the effectiveness of your performance. But if you're easily distracted, more animations, and people have no idea what you're talking about. They're just, wow, that is cool, wow. And there's regions here, by the way. There's the uh, simple but uh, effective region. There's the active but confusing, the uh, effective but boring, the active but ineffective, the dull but static region, the uh, busy but useless, the ADD only region, the uh, useful but amusing, the stupid but confusing, the dull triangle, the hyper triangle, the sleepy square, the dizzying pentagon, and everything else I just uh, call pointless motion. That slide right there took me an hour and a half to make right there. PowerPoint can just suck the life out of you. It's amazing. <laughs> I've also come up with this. It's a kind of a little science of invention called font analysis. Basically, the font you choose says something about who you are as a person. There's a huge list of fonts, and you choose one, and that says something about you. So be careful the font you choose. For example, if you choose Courier New, uh, this happens to be my favorite, uh, you're probably organized in structure. If you choose Matisse, it means you're artistic. And if you choose Times New Roman, it means you're lazy, apathetic, and unimaginative, and you always use the default. <laughs> A lot of Times New Roman people. Welcome. We have some more. Uh, if you use freehand script, uh, you're a horrible speller, so you try to hide it with a hard-to-read font. Very smart. If you use Gothic, it means you're very pale and you wear black. And if you choose Wingdig, it means you're a nerd and you have no life. In fact, if you know what those symbols mean, you will never have a date. Trust me. Don't bother. Okay. <laughs> so, I love that video. I think that's a great video. Sometimes we do, you know, learn more from the non-example rather than the, the good example. Um, Presentation Zen is a book that I recommend that Gar Reynolds has written. And his blog is present at presentation.zen is great. Uh, this is a post from last summer. 
how many of you remember Star Wars episode, the first one, episode four, A New Hope? Okay, we're going to storm the Death Star. Didn't remember this, but that's General Dodonna using these full screen simulated images, you know, showing where we're going to go. If, however, we had PowerPoint, General Dodonna may have used something more like this, talking about the battle station being heavily shielded. He's got his bullet points there, and, you know, nothing helps like a slide that says, may the force be with you. We need to think about how we use images. And Gar's point is that, you know, we were having good presentation use modeled here in 1977 when, when Star Wars came out. So uh, this is the number one book that I recommend to people when it comes to, to presentations and this whole idea of presentations in. Now, this is different than copyright. What we're going to talk about next is how do we get these large images that are copyright friendly. But the idea of using images well images that fill the screen and minimizing text. It fits in well in this conversation about digital um, literacy, visual literacy, how do we use media effectively. So the assignment that I give to my students for the Pecha Kucha is the following. They are to, of course, first of all, select their topic uh, that they're going to do and plan their topic. They're going to select 20 images or photos using a copyright-friendly image source. How many of you have used Google Images before to get images? Why is Google Images often not a great source? Okay. As of last summer, they started to have advanced searching where you can filter by license, which is the Creative Commons stuff we're going to talk about. But usually that's not the case. Why else can this not be a great place to search for images? The image is up there, but you don't know. You may have a website URL, but you don't know where it's come from. And also, you don't know the intent of the, of the poster. You know, if they own that, are they giving permission to share? What are the, what are the usage rights um, for the image? Anybody been surprised by an image you've had show up on a Google image search? Um, anybody learned themselves firsthand why doing a live image search in front of an audience is a bad idea? Okay? Never a good idea. Always want to have filtering turned on. In fact, strict filtering is probably a good idea. Never want to do no filtering. Um, there are not any guarantees. And this gets back to that content filtering idea that we had, discussion we were having earlier. You know, we've got schools not only blocking Google Images, but blocking all of Google. Okay? Well, you might as well just shut off the Internet, you know, if you're not going to allow any kind of Google searching. In some of our workshops, and I didn't do this last week, but I'll actually have the teachers, I'll say, repeat after me. We will not use Google Images for our project. And part of the reason for that is because I want students and teachers to get experience using these other sources. It's not evil to use Google Images. It can be legal to use copyrighted images. But there are better choices, and that's what I want students <coughs> to experience uh, in the assignment. I also want students to have good attribution and to model good attribution. You'll see in these slides, one of the things that I tend to do more of now is put the link right on the slide. You know, if you want to look up where this image came from, it's more likely that you'll have that thought looking at the slide rather than looking at a fast scrolling list of you know, links at the very end or really, really small links that are impossible to read at the very end. But at a minimum, we need to document where our images are coming from. Um, these are all pictures that I took. But when it's not a picture, or even sometimes if it is, 
we can document that with a link. That's not the same thing as copyright compliance, but that's part of what we want students to learn. So, a couple different places to get sources. Probably the easiest address for you to remember after this workshop is going to be this talk with media. Okay? In fact, if you would just go to Google, and I don't know, I haven't done this in a while, let's um, put in talk with media. Let's just do that. Oh, look, I'm the first hit out of 447 million. Very cool. So this talk with media site, I, I registered that domain to, to create an easy place for people to be able to get to these resources. And so if we click on images, there are blog posts that are here, but on this page for images, I've got links to these sites that we're going to talk about today for where, where to get images. And here's the recommendation of homegrown, public domain, creative commons, and fair use. We first talked about the fuzzy gray areas of fair use, and we spent a lot of time looking at what that might be. One video that I didn't show you, but I'm going to just mention, uh, is another video that was created by the Temple Media Education Lab folks. Make sure my audio is muted. It's a video called What's Copyright? And it was more made for a K-12 audience. I'll play this. Hopefully this isn't going to blast it out. <laughs> So it's made like a rap and it's very catchy. And the point is that the story that owners have told the public about copyright, that it's all about them and it's all about, you know, the music industry and the labels, is only part of the story. Intellectual property is any of these things we create that can include you know, text-based things, but, you know, images, music, audio, and copyright law was created to encourage creativity and, and to balance the rights of users and owners. And so this little animated movie is meant to, to talk about that. I'll just play this little excerpt real quick. And what they're going to say here is that we have the right when we comment, critique, or review and that's referencing fair use. But I'm saying, shout it out loud. You have rights too. To critique, comment, and review. For the limit, you have right to use. Copyrighted works made by who? All right. So those are all good resources, but that's the more complicated conversation. The easier conversation to have is, do you own it? Is it in the public domain, or is it Creative Commons? Before we look at some resources on Creative Commons, let's talk a little bit about the public domain. I'm a big advocate of using Wikipedia as a tool for helping students develop critical thinking skills, also talking about attribution, talking about the currency of information, um, all kinds of things. Um, have you all had a, any projects you know of in the local area where teachers and students have worked on the Wikipedia article for their school? Have you had anybody do that before? Man, that's a great project because a lot of people will look to Wikipedia as a resource and your students can become Wikipedia editors. One of the things to think about when it comes to a digital footprint, I've got to remember my password. It's always dangerous to put your password in on the board, right? Careful with that. Uh, let's see if that's my password. Once you have an account on Wikipedia, it will keep track of all the contributions that you make 
to different articles. And you may think, oh gosh, Wes is editing Wikipedia all the time. And no, I actually have only done one thing in 2011. You can, and you see this all by dates. But um, you know, your students can be editing um, articles and, and putting information up that other people you know, get to share and get to use. Let's go to a current article um, for today. This looks like the president of Yemen, and he's agreed to step down within 30 days. So when I click on an image here within Wikipedia, it shows me right below the use rights for this image. This file comes from the website of the president of the Russian Federation and is copyrighted, but it is licensed under Creative Commons. And you're free to use and distribute it as long as you attribute it to Kremlin.ru. Ooh, that's kind of a weird domain, isn't it? I've never used that one before. Um, what's an example of public domain works? What can I search for here and quickly find a public domain image? Any ideas? I always use NASA, okay? Because who's paid for NASA? We have. So any images that NASA has taken are going to be available publicly for anyone to use. And that's what it says right below it. This file is in the public domain because it was created by NASA. So public domain means there's no restrictions on it. I can take this image and legally make a shirt and sell it as a fundraiser. Why can I do that? Because it's in the public domain. It's outside of copyright. I can put my own work in the public domain if I want, but what's happening more often today is that people are licensing their work for reuse and using something called Creative Commons. So, let's talk about Creative Commons. Turn to your neighbor. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I want you to give your neighbor your 30-second elevator speech. What is Creative Commons and why is it important? Go. section of our presentation is to help you develop that 30-second elevator speech. You know, you might think that having somebody from out of town come in and do a presentation is the best way to educate your faculty and staff, but actually, you know what? You are the best ones to educate your peers. Uh, and the, you know, small little conversations. I was at the state debate uh, finals in, at OU two weeks ago. And the chair of the English department at Norman North, this was beautiful, Kent, I just I thought of you, it was just a magical moment, was having her computer out showing the teachers at our table her Moodle. And she was showing what she could do with her Moodle and how she was using that history for music lovers on Beowulf for her seniors who were studying Beowulf. I mean, it was just awesome. It wasn't the person outside, but it's the peer, okay, peer-to-peer -peer influence. So I want to help develop that. Who thought, who... 
who uh, had somebody at their table give a pretty good answer? You want to put them on the spot to share it. <laughs> this is where the fingers come, come out. <laughs> I said it's a, it's a way for you to protect and share your work at the same time. Good. Protect and share. Because it's not about giving up all rights. It's not about saying it's in the public domain. Stuff's still copyrighted. But it's protecting and sharing. So there are a lot of different resources that we could use to talk about Creative Commons. On our website, I have uh, given you a link. There's the What's Copyright. To this video called Get Creative by Creative Commons. And I'm going to share this video. I've also linked several things that we have on our Story Chasers website. Now that we have a project in Texas, we have a project in Kansas, and we have our Oklahoma project, it doesn't really make sense to just have copyright stuff for Oklahoma. Why not make it for all the projects? And so we have our Story Chasers site, we've made a Google site. So we've got articles, we've got videos, we've got websites um, that talk about these kinds of issues. I'm not going to even, you know, barely, I'm barely going to scratch the surface of these. But um, there's a lot of great resources here. This is called the Digital Copyright Slider. And just if you want to help demonstrate to people, you know, is are things protected by copyright? <laughs> the answer is it depends because when was it published? You know, is permission needed? What, you know, what's the copyright status? How did that change over time? Uh, we have the Sonny Bono Law that extended copyright to be 70 years after the death of the author. <coughs> it's complicated. How do we make this easier to understand. We give an article, um, well, you might have heard in that video from Temple a reference to the Code of Best Practices for, oh, they moved it. I need to fix my link. The Code of Best Practices uh, for Fair Use in Media Literacy Education. So, you know, some of these kinds of documents can, can be helpful. We give an article from Educause called Seven Things to Know About Creative Commons. It's just a two-page article, and this is more higher ed, thinking about your creating course materials, but what is, what is Creative Commons, how does it work? Of all the resources that are here, I really think this video, I mean, this is my favorite one. There's a lot of different ones. So um, as you watch this video, I want you to think about how this might inform your elevator speech about Creative Commons to go further. We say it's about protecting and sharing. That's excellent. What else would you add to that to talk about Creative Commons and what it means for you specifically as an instructor, as a professor, and as a learner? These are Jack and Meg White, also known as the White Stripes. They're a band from Detroit. They make rock and roll without a bass guitarist. This is Steve McDonald of the veteran band Red Cross. Steve thought the White Stripes could use a bass player, so he appointed himself. He took the White Stripes album called White Blood Cells and re-recorded it, laying a bass track down on every song. Then he released the results as MP3s on Red Cross's website. He even made up a new album cover and title, Red Blood Cells. McDonald began putting these copyrighted songs online without permission from the White Stripes or their record label. During the project, he bumped into Jack White, who gave him spoken assent to continue. It can be that easy when you skip the intermediaries. 
and collaboration across space and time. Creative co-authorship with people you've never met. Standing on the shoulders of your peers. It's what the internet is all about. It can be that easy when you skip the intermediaries. But couldn't it be easier still? Not many of us are liable just to bump into Jack White and go green light. And he's not going to let just anyone play the bass over his songs in any case. But what about other artists who might want you or me to play along? Shouldn't we be able to, if they don't mind? Enter one of the internet's most famous citizens. A face familiar the world over, a public identity rivaled only by a handful of corporate giants and global superstars, the big copyright C. Everyone knows what big C stands for. Big C means all rights reserved. Big C means ask permission. Big C protects copyright owners and notifies the rest of us of their ownership. The time was when you had to put Big C on anything you wanted to copyright or else it entered the public domain. The commons of information where nothing is owned and all is permitted. You had to put the world on notice to warn them. That was Big C's job. And it was a useful one. What changed? The law. By the late 1980s, U.S. law had changed so that works become copyrighted automatically the moment they're made. The moment you hit save on that research paper, the second the shutter snaps closed, the instant you lift your pen from that cocktail napkin doodle, your creation is copyrighted, whether Big C makes a cameo or not. So suddenly, there's no quick way of knowing whether something's owned or not. The new rules may be clear about how you get to own a work. You don't have to do anything. But they say nothing at all about how you should go about announcing that you want to allow certain uses of your work. So what? Well, if you're a digital filmmaker whose every frame must be cleared by an army of lawyers before making a cut, or if you're in a band whose label won't let you put a song on the file-sharing network, or if you're a professor trying to put together online course materials, or if you're a DJ, chasing down permission to use every snippet of song in your sonic collage. If you're one of these people, then you know, so what? We interrupt this brainstorm to call the lawyers. You drop what you're doing and call all the lawyers. You ask for permission. Even if you use a word the author doesn't mind if you use it, because you have no idea what the author's intent is. You ask for permission, even to share some of your rights. Or you venture forward unsure what your risks and rights are exactly. Or, in a haze of legal doubt, you do nothing. The bottom line, Big C is out of a job. The middle men are not. Enter Creative Commons. Creative Commons wanted to find an easy way to help people tell the world up front that they want to allow some uses of their work. We called the experts, the U.S. Copyright Office, for advice. Their response? There's no real answer. Get creative. So we got creative. How? Our CC brand marks works that are governed by Creative Commons licenses. A set of standardized copyright licenses available free of charge on our website. We wrote these licenses so that lawyers and courts could read them. Then we translated them into a language you can read. And then we translated them into a language computers can read. Now, CC isn't meant to compete with copyright, but to complement it. It 
allows you to retain your copyright while granting the world permission to make certain uses of it upon certain conditions. If the big C is like a red light, then CC is a green light. If the big C says, no trespassing, the double C says, please come in. If the big C says, all rights reserved, CC says, some rights reserved. So you can use the powers of the net to find works free to share and build upon, and to invite other people to transform or trade yours so that you can get creative, not only with what you make, but how you make it available, so you can collaborate across space and time, so you can be a co-author with someone you've never met, so you can stand on the shoulders of your peers, all without asking permission, because permission already been granted. Creative Commons. Get creative. It's easy when you skip the intermediaries. Okay, turn to someone at your table and talk about your elevator speech now. What would you add to that talking about Creative Commons and how it relates to you? I'll give you a minute. Go. You know, I should have that on here. I, I, I've, I've put that on my website at the very bottom, and, it, and this is at each post. It'll say, this work is licensed under Creative Commons license. Additional guidance is available. So people can click on that link. I have been using the attribution only uh, license, which is the most open license. The disadvantage of that is it does leave you open to scrape blogs, which are people that will grab your content and just put it up there with ads. And so some people have switched to a, um, a attribution non-commercial license. Um, this is my attribution guidance. Basically, I just request that people um, cite my name and give a link back to my site. Um, so I ought to do a better job, and, and I, I'm glad you pointed that out because on all my presentations, I don't have that um, you should, up right. there. I should. And on SlideShare, so when you go to my site and if you click on speaking, I've got a lot of presentations that are, are shared for free on SlideShare. I've never paid for a SlideShare license. 
and a lot of these are synchronized to audio. SlideShare does let you specify a Creative Commons license for your presentations. So when you go into SlideShare, that's something that you can pick and Yes. But I mean, I've really never specifically done it on an individual. I've never done anything on an individual. Right. Anything. Well, with images and, and some of the sites that we're going to look at, that's where it's really happened. Like I've had people use some of my Flickr pictures for, um, you know, articles that are on websites. There was a teacher that is teaching my niece in the Dallas area, her pre-service education, and, and she used that slide of my kids I don't know if I've got that one on this in this particular presentation, but um, anyway, she was like, "Hey, I recognize those kids," and they were, you know, it was because it was a Creative Commons licensed image. Yeah. So we said way to share. What else? What did we add to that definition at the beginning? You said way to share. Steve, what did you say? Uh, way to share and protect. Way to share and protect. Okay. What else would you add to this? We've done. We did one a couple years ago. We did yeah, one. We did, we did one back in what 2007, maybe. We did two. We did twice. We did maybe 2007, maybe 2009. Uh huh. Probably every couple of years. But what would you say on this? You said share and share and protect. Share and protect. Use, reuse. Okay. What else? How's it relevant to you as a professor, as an instructor? Yeah, you know, I think it's relevant. I, I think it's relevant to us as an institution because it's the culture we've tried to build in terms of sharing everything from the software for starting students project to utilizing open source to we've tried to be maybe strategically we've, we've tried to strategically share. Because we don't share, I mean, we don't share everything, but uh, we've tried to strategically share things that will be useful to others. Teachers tend to share a lot locally, but not necessarily think about sharing online. Yeah. You know, so much of what I used, especially, well, I, I, my whole course, I mean, I'm building on what other and teachers and professors are doing in different colleges that are sharing their syllabus, that are sharing their resources. Um, when you choose a license to share your stuff, you know, you make decisions. Do you want to allow commercial uses? Yes or no. Allow modifications? If you just leave it as is, it'll be that most um, open license, which is the Creative Commons attribution only. I went to the eLearn conference in Vancouver. I would love to go back to Vancouver. It's, you know, there's a reason it was picked. I think it's the most beautiful city in North America. Um, and I heard some Canadians telling about a grant that they had done where they required the faculty to either license it with Creative Commons within their province of Canada or for everybody. Because what were they saying? We're giving you these national dollars to make curriculum. We don't want it to just benefit your kids and your institution. You know, we'd love for it to benefit everyone. But if you're not willing to go there, at least benefit our province because that was where the funding was coming from. So Ken's point is good that that can be part of a shared culture. Any other thoughts about relevance and how that how it can matter to you? 
Yeah, protect from liability. And that can be the institution. That can also be the individual. We like to protect ourselves from liability. I'll put on here ways to find um, friendly images. Okay, and this is... Right, right. Because again, if we're not talking about fair use, it's not as fuzzy. And we can feel very confident that, yes, I'm using these images and they are licensed for reuse. I've already got the permission because the person gave me permission up front. So what I'd like to do for our last you know, 35 minutes or so is we're going to look at some of these sources of copyright friendly images and explore how to use these for your own use in the presentations that you give and, and possibly for your, your students as well as they do presentations. And so there are a lot of different uh, image source sites. And again, you can get, I'll, let me go to the Talk With Media site because that's probably going to be the easiest place to, to get to this. If I just click the images link at the top of the Talk With Media site, Finding images, we've got four different suggestions here. And so let's go first to the Flickr Creative Commons. How many of you share images online uh, on Facebook or any other website now? Anybody doing that? You know, this New Year's, uh, let's see. I'll see if I can find the, I'll, I'll see if I can find the statistic. I gave a presentation in Amarillo on the Martin Luther King holiday about social media guidelines for schools. And one of the things that we got a statistic on was, well, how Facebook is now becoming the, uh, the, the most accessed site, even, even than YouTube. And then here is the Facebook statistics. This was in January. More than 500 million active users, more than 30 billion pieces of content and then, oops, that was the article from TechCrunch. This was on January 3rd. Facebook users uploaded a record 750 million photos on New Year's weekend alone this year. So Facebook has become the number one image sharing site in the world, surpassing Flickr and um, uh, Picasa and, the, and these other places. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I, how many of you use Picasa? Anybody use Picasa? What do you use Picasso for? Quick, quick editing. Yeah. Quick cropping. Okay. Do you share on the Picasso site or do you mainly use it as a sort of quick edit tool? Okay. Really good tool to know about. Um, it's available for Mac, but iPhoto on the Mac side I still like a little bit better. Um, but Flickr is a place where lots and lots of people are sharing images. One of the really smart things that they did on Flickr a number of years ago was they enabled people by default to select one of these sharing licenses. So it's important to know that if I just go to the home page of Flickr, which is owned by Yahoo, you are not going to be searching for Creative Commons stuff from the home page. You have to put the word Creative Commons after the address. And then when you do a search under one of these licenses, you can find images with that kind of license. I'm going to 
to kind of scroll down here and you'll see the licenses and how many pictures. We've got 25.6 million images now licensed under attribution only. And this is where I do the bulk of my searching. Why? Because the only thing I need to do is give credit for that image. Here's my image when I talk about vision being critical. Okay? I don't even need to have that little Creative Commons logo, but I'm giving credit to the person who Where took this picture. That URL, uh, I'll show you. In fact, they have a, now a shortened URL, a shorter one that they have at the top. So let's, let's do an example, okay? I'm gonna go here to the Flickr Creative Commons and a lot of times it's always a good idea to do this in advance. You know, you don't know what you're gonna get when you do a live image search in front of an audience. Um, the one I usually do the most, I do lightning, but uh, let's do glasses, okay? Because let's say I'm gonna wanna do one about vision and so I'm going to pull one up about glasses. All right, so here's an image that is Creative Commons attribution licensed. And when I click this picture, generally the link that I have copied is that link right there. So you just, you just cut the paste out of the... Yes, that, that's normally what I do. I copy that link and then I just put it right here on the slide where... I'm using that image. That's, that's typically what I will do. One of the important things as we talk with media is to consider how big of an image we're using. And the nice thing about Flickr is that it will automatically size your images so that you have different sizes available. The disadvantage of using this 100 by 75 pixel image is if I would really zoom in, I would start to see the pixels in the image. And so generally, I'm gonna to wanna to get a larger image so that when I zoom in or when I make it large on my screen, I am not gonna see the pixels. If I look up here at the top, I can see the license, some rights reserved. And when I click on it, it gives me that plain English, don't you love that in the video? We translated it so people could read it, you know, and then we wrote it for lawyers first. I am free to share and I'm free to remix or adapt the work as long as I give credit, I give attribution. So that is available there um, on the image. The other place this is available is on the right sidebar. When I scroll down here on the right, if I zoom in, I have a link that says license some rights reserved. And then I could also request request a license. This is something I'm seeing more of with Getty images and people will say request a license. If I'm using this under fair use, do I need to request? No. Is it okay to request? Sure. It's always possible. It's always fine to ask for permission. But if I'm using it under fair use, I don't have to ask for that permission. Um, the other thing that's nice is I can contact this person because this is their user ID. I can click on this link and then I could actually send them a message um, inside Flickr. I think I have to go to their profile and I can choose to um, send them a message. I, I need to check my Flickr messages. I haven't checked those in a while. Um, I've had people let me know that they're using my work before and I'm trying to think of I don't know that I've got a, a linked example of this, but I've had you know some of my 
images, this, this one in particular, um, has been used a lot. And here's an example. Here's somebody said, thanks for the Creative Commons license. I use this photo in a blog I manage. So this is an example of where somebody used that picture and then they subtitled it The Distracted Generation. Um, but that's cool. They, they used it. I gave permission for that. They gave attribution. That's following Creative Commons. So one of the first places to think about for getting your images is going to the Flickr site and going to Creative Commons. Now, one of the issues in a lot of our public schools, we block Flickr. Are there images on Flickr that would be inappropriate for me to show on the screen here? I'm sure that there are. Um, there's going to be content on the web that's not going to be appropriate. There should be a difference between someone accidentally stumbling upon content and then intentionally seeking it out. What we've effectively done in a lot of our schools is block teachers from content because the smart, you know, geeky kids can figure out how to bypass and get around it. And a lot of times it's the teachers that aren't able to do that. Um, so anyway, the, the filtering stuff fits in with this. One place to go. Let's talk about another place. Comp fight. This is and has been the favorite recommendation for teachers um, in our Oklahoma Voices project for, for going. If I'm going to do a storm story, anybody got a tornado story they could tell us? But we got some tornado stories. In fact, there's a great tornado story. Where's, Kent, where's the uh, backdoor uh, steakhouse? It's in. Is it Blair? Right. So there is an, there are some awesome. There was actually one during one of those celebrated Voices. Very first thing we did, one of the people there did a really good one. Yeah, there's some there's some good. I mean, you can you can. There's a couple. This this is this is by Lisa McMillan yeah. and Mac Mains did another one um, about the Blair tornado. So I mean, as you might think, uh, you know, you put the word tornado in. Um, we're, we've got stories that people are telling about you know the Antlers tornado in '45, the May 3rd tornado uh, in the metro area. So if I'm going to do stories about storms, maybe I'm going to want to use lightning pictures. Now, over here on the side, I get to filter my results. These are lightning pictures on Flickr that have any kind of license. But when I click Creative Commons, I restrict the license to only be using Creative Commons. Now, if I was going to do an Oklahoma lightning story, it might be good if I you know, actually used a, didn't have a cactus in it or something. So these are going to be lightning pictures that were actually taken in Oklahoma, more than likely. Okay, the tags over here, they've tagged it Oklahoma. This says it's north of Stillwater. Okay, great, great image. This website is called CompFight, and I really like how it opens up the image over here in a new tab. At the time I save this picture, and by the way, how could I do that? How could I save this picture to my computer? What am I going to do? Like, yeah, right click. When in doubt, right click. Or if you're on the Mac without a two-button mouse, control click, because that does the same thing as a right click. Here are my choices for the size. Is that going to be big enough, or do I want to go all the way up to 1,596 by, by 235? Okay. When I choose to save this image, I will want to copy the address. Usually what I'll do is this. I'll, create, I'll, I'll save my image. Um, give it a name. It's, not, it's cryptic. 
and then I will want to save this address where I got this image. Something we've just learned, in fact, one of my students taught me this last week, the week before last, is that now on Flickr, if you click the little arrow over your image, there's, you can favorite it if you have an account. You can um, view all sizes and you, need, you all know about uh, GPS stuff that's saved with images. Have you ever seen any of the videos that talk about how you may be giving away your location? You know, you take pictures with an iPhone or a smartphone, it can save your GPS information with the image. That can be cool, but it could also be more than you want to disclose. You need to be aware of that. So anyway, those the, the option to view that stuff is available. You can see that here's the map. Okay, this is map where it was taken on <coughs> April 26, 2009, um, north of Stillwater. One of my students showed me that now, if I say grab the link, here is the long link, which is the one I was showing a second ago. But now you can click this little button and Flickr makes a short URL. So some of my students this semester at UCO, when they were documenting their images, were using this short thing. And I was like, where'd you get that? And they showed, they showed me this. The way to get to this is on the, the image here, they have these buttons to email the picture, share on Facebook, share on Twitter. And it's got those links to you know, share on a different website. You can grab the code and as a blogger, I will use that code, which looks scary, but I don't have to understand what it means. I just have to copy it sometimes. But it's got a choice here to grab the link. Okay? There's the long link. There's a little bu button that, that makes a short link. And so that's just another technique of getting a short link. I actually think it's probably better to use the longer one. Why? Because when I look at this attribution, you can see that was done by Chris Marr. That's his username on Flickr. And if I was using a shorter link, it doesn't actually you know, show that. But the idea here is that it would be easier for me to type in that short address, maybe. <laughs> um, and so that's just another way of giving your attribution for where the image comes from. Now, on our page, the... Um, the handout for today for Talk With Media, I went ahead and gave you a link to a one-page handout that describes how you can copy and save from CompFight. And feel free to use this one-page handout. It's a PDF file. You can download this, put this on your course, you know, or you, I mean, you can make it yourself if you wanted to. But it basically just shows go to CompFight, enter your search term, click on uh, Creative Commons to limit your search, and then show all the sizes, save the image. Step six, copy and paste the website for the photo. Because if you don't do it at that moment, what's likely to happen? Don't know where that was. Can't go back there. So we don't want to start our bibliography at the end of our project. We want to do it as we go. And this is a one-page handout that we've used in our Celebrate Oklahoma Voices workshops and we've used to... Um, I use it in my course to help students, you know, see how to use CompFight, just like a one-page how-to. My new favorite site for getting images is called Wileyo, and Wileyo is linked on the Talk With Media site as well as our handout, and it's marketed as free pictures for bloggers. However, 
you can put these images right into your Moodle as well. And let me show you an example of what Wileo does and why I think it's a great resource. And I just, I've used this for free. I haven't paid for this. You can pay for it. Here is a post that I wrote from the Best Western this morning before I drove, drove across the street. Is your school network ready for multi-platform collaboration? I wanted a picture of servers and internet wires, so I found an image there. I wanted a picture about the cloud. I'm giving Microsoft a little free promo here, but they have an image about Microsoft and the cloud equals infinite possibilities. And then I wanted to talk about hostage situations, because sometimes the IT person in, a, in an organization holds everyone else hostage and you know, doesn't really empower them to be able to use these tools. So all of these images and this last one of a Mardi Gras float I found on Wileo. And if you look below the image, this was automatically inserted by Wileo giving the attribution credit for this image. This photo was copyright 2006 by Jeff Hitchcock, more info via Wileo. So what happens if I click on more info, I go to the Flickr page where this image came from and I'm giving that credit and that attribution to this particular image. The it did, That's and it's cool. beautiful. So the other way that I had seen to do this, um, I really am a fan of WordPress, which is a free content management system. Now it's not only being used by millions of blogs worldwide, it's also being used by just people who are creating websites because it's open. You're not going to be tied to a single vendor that sold it to you if you change your mind and want to go with somebody else. And so there's a plugin that I used for WordPress. Um, and I'll actually have to, I'll have to go to one of the blogs that, that we have. This is our family learning blog. So we, my, my kids write and I, I make them write periodically on here and we post pictures and other things. And I'm trying to think about what the what the name of this tool is. Until Wileo came out, this was this was a tool that I would use. And so if I was going to make a new post, it was it's a plug it was a plugin that you had to use with WordPress. And here it is, PhotoDropper. Okay, so. Um, The reason why this PhotoDropper plugin was cool was that it would search Flickr and it would give you that attribution. Okay? Now you can do this with any site, with your Moodle or any kind of website using Wileo. So how does it work? Um, I think you do, they've just redone their site in maybe the last, in the last month for sure, maybe in the last two weeks. And I have not paid a penny for this. If you would want their premium account, you can pay $3 a month, but I haven't paid at all, and I'm continuing to, to use and love this. I think basically they have ads, and there's some other features that the premium, like you can uh, specify your exact pixel width. But Do you contribute it to Wileo, or they just pull it from other They pull it mainly from, from Flickr, yeah. So because I license my images. Um, and is that, the big, their biggest, is that their big claim to fame, is that attribution function? I think so. Um, cool. here, here, here's some examples. So I just put in kids and laptop. And here we've got, and this, is, this looks like an image. Oh, look. Huh. Look at that. Isn't that cool? So kids laptop. If I click on this image, what it's going to do 
is it's going to pull up an example layout of this image and it's going to let me tweak it a little bit as far as how it will look with the text. So I can change the size. I can say whether I want it to be centered, right aligned, or left aligned. And then look here at the bottom. Isn't that cool? 2008, West Friar, more info. So to create that on my site, I click the button Get the Code, and it gives me all of this code that's very cryptic. Just like embed code, when I'm getting a YouTube video or another video and I want to embed it on my site so people don't have to go to YouTube, they get to see it on my page, I will copy that, that code. What I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll preview this. Okay, this, is, this is my blog tool that I use. So I'm going to preview that. This is what that will look like on my blog post. It's sized this way and it has all that attribution. I am loving that because in order to use Creative Commons images appropriately, I need to give credit and this does that for me. I don't have to do that manually. Okay? If I was going to be giving the credit for an image like this, <clears throat> I would be copying that address at the top and I would provide a link that goes to that page. But Wileyo is is my favorite spot. Anybody have another favorite spot or favorite site that they're using um, for use for getting copyright friendly images besides those? Let me know if you find one. I'm always on the hunt for these kinds of things. Um, there was one that we used to use called um, I don't even what's it called Flickr Storm and. The problem with Flickrstorm, we'll see if, it, if it's back up and working. Um, you needed to come in and tell it to search Creative Commons photos. And I'm, I would love to find more tools that have this kind of functionality. This let me build an image library that had document that, that um, had the link, so I can go in and find find images, and I can add these to my tray the last time I tried this this didn't work yeah access denied for user they they uh, something's going on with the, with the database this is this has been broken for months it would create a page that had all the links and you didn't have to log in. And so you could show your students, find all your pictures here, and then this one page has all of your attribution links. Um, I, I, I would love to have better tools for helping students find their images and keep their attribution links. But the best, the best solution that, we've, that I've found is just you know, have them as they, as they go along and they, and they find their pictures open a word file, open up some kind of a text document, and then paste paste your links in. Do you all have a better way of doing attribution and finding, I mean, are you all subscribing to any of those services that let you save your, uh, your, your resources and build your bibliography or any of those kind of tools? One of the, there's a, there's a lot of free ones. This, the Noodle Tools is one that some librarians that I know are, are working with and you know it'll help build the actual bibliography to be MLA or APA or whatever format it but um, 
No, Noodle Tools is one that, that you pay for. The one that I've been using on my dissertation, which, haha, I've got a, a date for my proposal now, May 15th, I'm going to be defending my proposal. I've used this one, BibMe, and this is totally free, and this will build the APA formatted, you know, entries, and if I log in. But it, what it doesn't do is it doesn't help me, like, find the picture, you know, save the picture as I'm going along. So I can just say right here, am I MLA, am I APA, and then um, it, it saves all my all my uh, references. And these are all formatted. So this is what I've been using for my for my dissertation. This is free. Bidme is free. So it's what I'm using for my di to do my APA stuff on my dissertation. All right. So those are all different tools that we can use for um, finding images. The other resource that I have linked here, um, it says more, is we've created this page for Story Chasers to list other sites that you can go to. So we have primary recommended sites, but then there's secondary sites. And there are so many, there's, you know, we've got well over a hundred different sites for uh, different places that you can uh, find images. I think it's great that organizations like the Smithsonian are now sharing images on Flickr <coughs> and they are also licensing their content in some cases with Creative Commons. In other cases, they're saying no known copyright restrictions. So that means as far as we know, you can do anything that you want to with it because we don't know about any restrictions that are here. In addition to the Smithsonian, I think we've got a link up here to the Library of Congress. Library of Congress is using Flickr and they're encouraging people to help identify photographs. Uh, in some of these cases, they don't know who these people were. Unidentified soldier in a union, in a, uh, union uniform. And this was just taken during the war and they'll list the information that they have about it. Also in this case, no known copyright restrictions. But in some cases, they're also licensing their content under Creative Commons. <coughs> I think Creative Commons is an essential thing for us to know about as educators. Part of what we're doing with our Oklahoma Voices project is we're building curriculum because if you're going to teach about the Dust Bowl or you're going to teach about you know, weather, wouldn't it be great to be able to pull in some of these, um, some of these movies and, and some, of these, uh, some of this media that has been created by different, not just teachers, but students as well here in Oklahoma and elsewhere. And so one of the things that we're going to be doing in the next couple months is our videos right now are in flash and you can't play them on an iPad or an iPhone. And so we're going to be changing our use agreement and letting everybody know, letting people opt out if they don't want to, but we're going to cross post our content over to YouTube and explicitly license that under Creative Commons so that people are very clear about um, the, 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 the usage license of this. Do everything, I mean, do you, is, there, is there any photos you restrict more than others or are you pretty sharing or have you, have you just said, I don't really know what to do with this? Uh, That's a great question. I, I used to be restrictive of all the personal images that I had of our family. That's what I was wondering, because that's definitely your children. Right. And so, and, and this is something that's changed over time. 
we had a situation when President Obama spoke to students and, um, you know, our school chose not to show that and I checked Sarah out of class. She recorded a little video response. Which was just a 90 second video that basically went viral. It had, I mean, it's got over 196,000 hits. There's an example of some things that we don't want to be seeing on the screen. Um, you know, I had some things happen with some people posting some content and, uh, and things after this that made me think, oh my gosh, do I really, you know, do we really want to have these kind of images? Because I don't, there's a lot of topics I don't blog about. I, I have opinions about abortion, but I don't think I've ever written about it publicly. There's some things that I, I don't want to be a lightning rod for. And um, anyway, I've changed over time to where there, there's most of the things I'll share publicly and I'll, I'll put out there. We don't want to be poster family for, you know, predators and for anybody who's trying to harm people. But at the same time, I personally feel it's important to recognize just because we have our picture on the Internet doesn't mean, you know, people come to our house and kidnap us and murder us. And the fear factor is so high today with respect to this stuff that that is what people are actually believing. And our kids are online more than ever today. Uh, what we need to help them know how to do and, and make the choice to do is what do you do when somebody does solicit you online, when somebody does want to contact you, when someone does want to talk about sex online. Those are important things to talk about. Simply having a picture online doesn't mean, you know, we get kidnapped and murdered. Uh, do bad things happen to people? Of course they do. Uh, you know, nothing's stopping anybody from choosing to, you know, stalk any of us. The fact that I have this media out here would leave me more open to something nefarious and malicious, you know, happening if somebody decided, wow, I really want to do something mean, you know, to Wes. So... I don't know. What do you think about that, Kent? Do you, what have you? I have a hard time. I mean, I, you know, once again, I'm, I'm kind of pretty selfish in terms of posting kids' photos and that sort of thing. Me, I, I probably haven't been as restrictive, but I have been kind of sneaky. You know, I use my, I use my avatar. I, I mean, I do have photos of me, but Google my, Google Kent Brooks, on, and, and I mean, you'll see, there's a few more things. Google Images. One thing is... The there you are, right there. Well, it's a university. He's number one because he's been on rival. He's a cornerback for the University of Houston. And this was before you started to shave. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and so, I, mean, you know, I mean, I've got some stuff. You've got that one. And then you can scroll down and see my, my, my net film and avatar right there in the classic pink shirt. There we go. I've, and there'll be... And it kind of... Wait a minute, you flipped off of it. I'm seeing the Windows logo. Um, like I was saying, this is, <laughs> this is a close-up image of the surrender ceremony on the USS uh, Missouri. Um, I don't know that I really mind sharing it on one hand. On the other hand, um, you know, I, I guess I suppose, I suppose I'd like some credits if it was in my mom's basement. I don't know. 
Oh, and that's an original one? I have an original, I have original photo of this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I'm sorry, I got this. Because my, my dad was a Tokyo vet. So you can license that on Flickr or elsewhere under a Creative Commons non-commercial license. And so legally, if somebody would go and sell that yeah. or not give you credit, then that allows you to have recourse. See, this is another view from the deck of the Missouri down ceremony about to begin. I see you kind of scroll through these, and I mean, you know, these aren't just normal photographs. Um, I may ask for your permission if you don't mind. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to check. As part of the story that yeah. I have about, and you've probably heard me share part of that, of going to Pearl Harbor, yeah. was standing on the deck of the Missouri, you know, where that happened. But like this, this is a Japanese, this is a, a Japanese crew mm -hmm. off, of, off of a Japanese submarine, I believe. And you've got all these photos of Tokyo. Like here's here's bombing. Here, here's some of the some of the bombing. Have you, and so have you shared these online yet? I have. I have. So one of the one of the things to think about here is content before the internet used to we used to think of it having value when we really controlled access to it. I would limit the access and you would pay me, and and then that would mean it's going to be very valuable today. We still have the opportunity to make money by limiting access to content. But I think there are things to balance here, and, and, and profit and making money is one of them. But access to ideas and education is also you know, part of it as well. I'm not an economist, but I think the term opportunity cost means you know, what is it going to cost me incrementally to be able to, to do this, this action. One of the best books I ever read about technology and just the internet being digital, Nicholas Negroponte. You know, he talks about things that are atomic and things that are digital. When I make something digital and it's bits, I can basically transmit that, you know, to the world yeah. for, for zero opportunity cost. So you, you might consider, you know, and Flickr is one place that you can do this. You can explicitly have that kind of a, of a license. Um, what will that mean for people that are going to teach about that era of history, right? You, I call it digital resurrection. My dad was the quarterback of the 1958 Powell Panther High School 4A football team in Powell, Wyoming. And he just had his best friend from elementary school he grew up with for years, editor of the Powell Tribune and legislator now in the, in the Wyoming legislature, just visited him two weeks ago, gave him a DVD copy of this. The Powell High School Athletic Department had had these 16-millimeter silent films. They had been in his garage. The former tech director converted them to DVD. And so now... Number 30, he's play action. It's a pass. Oh, so close. 1958 Wyoming State Championship. Oh, he fumbled that. So I said, Dad, do you want to share these on, on YouTube? Would you want to, you know, and we had this conversation. You think that's legal? Do you think we could? Yes. So now you can see both the semifinal and the final game. And, you know, that's not going to be historically nearly as significant as something like what you're talking about. And like this, too. This, uh, this, this photo of Frankie Pistol Pete with Miami. Um, I found it in my mom's basement. September 1951, me and, me and Frankie, me, said me and old Frankie, 
you know, with those, she would, I mean, their archive would kill to have this picture. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's sort of like, what, do you, what the heck do you do with this? These are, these are discussions, these are discussions to have. Um, yeah, and, and how do you want to license it and share it? Um, you know, you can do that as an all rights reserve kind of thing. And now with Flickr, it can say, ask me to license this image, you know, with Getty. And they'll, uh, they've got some way of brokering that kind of thing. So that if somebody wants to pay more to have it, I think, in a print publication, they, they can do that. I put this image of the footprints up here. Actually, I don't know if that's a great footprint image. Um, did, you know, footprints and digital footprints. I think that just like we Googled Kent Brooks, you know, what do we find when we, when we Google each other? Um, we leave footprints digitally as we go around and we do things. Um, there's a lot of different intersecting ideas in this presentation, but images and the use of media, it's so different today that I think we really need to step back and, and think about how incredible it is, right? Why was Martin Luther excommunicated back in the 1500s? the audacity to translate the Bible into German, right? And he hammered the 95 theses on the door, and he was pretty confrontational. But still, if you think about how far we've come with the access to information, it's only within the last decade, and maybe even less, that this kind of access to images has become so, so easy and possible. Those Creative Commons images, the numbers here have been growing steadily. And where before we might have said, well, I don't really know if I want to do the attribution only because that's kind of small. You know, yeah, there's 52 million under attribution non-commercial share alike. But heck, there's 25.6 million pictures now that are licensed here. And if I'm going to give a presentation and I'm going to talk about a subject, I have more ability today to use a copyright-friendly image to help speak to my topic and communicate with my audience than ever before. Do I have to use a copyrighted image? Probably not. And so I hope this morning has given you some ideas for how to talk about copyright with your kids, how to not just think about copyrighted works in the traditional full all rights reserve sense, but also the some rights reserve sense. And to be thinking about the power of media to communicate and how really as educators we need to be talking with media more. Um, and we need to be empowering our students to talk with media more. It's an exciting day. There's a lot of scariness going on. That's not even a good word to say. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear today. Um, but there's also a lot of opportunity because of the, of the power of media that we have. So I'll be with you all tomorrow. We'll continue. But thanks for your attention and good luck. I think most of